and welcome to the last Retrovaniacs episode of 2020. Ever. Not ever, I don't think. Uh, as always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And uh, because this is our last episode of the year, instead of talking about what we've been playing for the last few weeks, why don't we talk about you know our favorite game that came out this year and maybe our biggest disappointment gaming-wise uh, of what happened this year? Well, it's 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 been a year for disappointment. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's been a year exclusively of disappointment. Um, and as such, um, I, I think myself, like many people, uh, personal life has been in shambles. And it's been really busy, um, even when it wasn't. Even when I was sitting at home somehow, uh, things just seemed really busy. And I wasn't really keeping up well uh, you know with what was coming what was coming down the pike and, and all that uh like i usually do uh, i usually am pretty on top of things and i have a, a handful of games at least that i'm really looking forward to but uh, this year i uh i it was it was like the old days it was like being a kid again i didn't know a game was out i didn't know many games were out until I was at the store and I saw them or until, you know, I got on a, got on a, a system's respective eShop and, and saw them. Um, so there weren't a lot of expectations on my part. But one game, um, probably the only game that I was getting really hyped up about um, was that fucking Avengers game. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Marvel guy, uh, a longtime fucking comic reader. Um have played most of the, the comic related games out there. I've suffered through the bad ones. I, I've enjoyed the decent ones. Um, I've, I've reveled in the good ones, you know, and coming off, you know, Spider-Man was the last one I played and that's the fucking, that's the high bar. So I was really excited to see how uh, this Avengers game uh, would go, but apparently not that well. Um, I still haven't picked it up because I just, there was a deluge of just bad things people had to say about it and stuff that made sense too. It, it wasn't the usual fucking nitpicking or, or anything like that. Um, and from what I saw, uh, from what, you know, other people I know told me, uh, it's a disaster. And the fact that it's, it's down to about 30 bucks now, not on sale, regular price, 30 bucks now in some places, uh, I think says a lot too. Um, so yeah, that went from one I was so super excited to play um, to one I, I still really haven't touched. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see if uh, if they do something with it to kind of kind of spruce it up a little bit before I, I put any time into it. We should like uh, play mm -hmm. uh, last year's uh, best of the, our favorites of last year because I'm pretty sure you said the exact same thing, but Anthem <laughs> instead, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which apparently it draws comparisons to. Um, I, I guess I need to, I don't know, you know, whatever game early next year, I say, I'm really looking forward to go ahead and jot it down, um, <laughs> and <laughs> go ahead and jot it down and we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. Cause I don't usually look forward to a ton of games. I, I kind of put all my eggs in one basket. Um, and, and that basket has, has fallen and cracked all the eggs for at least a couple years in a row now, but I did. Uh, and goddamn, it, it's awful tough to pick um, my favorite game this year. Uh, I would like to give a, an emotional favorite would be Animal Crossing. That, I, that got me through some tough times. And I think it did a lot of people. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's Animal Crossing. It, it's it's never going to be the fucking 
game of the year, you know, um, it serves its purpose. It serves it well. Um, it, it served it probably better this year than it ever has. Um, but, and I started playing cross code on switch. I just, I fucking absolutely love that game. And I, I still have a lot of it left. It is a lengthy, lengthy game. Um, and it was, it was advertised to me as kind of, you know, um, like a throwback, you know, to the 16 bit, you know, legend of Zelda, um, but with more RPG elements to it. And, and I can see where they're getting that from. Um, it's one of those, there's a lot of grinding in it, but it's, it's really enjoyable. And the storyline, is it, it hooks you in. You kind of want to see what's going to happen next. And that was going to be my game of the year. Then I started playing that goddamn Hades. And that's a strong game right there. And uh, I loved that game Bastion. And this is basically that combat system which I thought was was wonderful to begin with, uh, and they they've just tuned it up. Uh, the settings are great. Uh, the characters there are a ton of characters in this, and you know each one of them has their own little bit of story. Uh, and I I'm always excited to learn something about every single one of them. And I'll go ahead and say it has the best voice acting of probably any game. Um, I have ever played. And that's not one of the exaggeration things where somebody says something, something best ever. No, it, it probably is um, all around. There, there aren't any bad performances on there. Um, so goddamn Hades, I think probably gets a slight edge, um, but, but cross code is as close to second place as you can get. And both on the switch and, and you know, both, I, I really prefer Hades on the go. I think the style of it really works on the switch and, you know, but those are my two big ones. And those are between those two and Animal Crossing and what we reviewed on here. That's about all I played this year for the most part. Well, as far as my the game of the year, I was actually going to pick uh, Animal Crossing as well, because I have put in easily the most hours in that game. I mean, even mm -hmm. now I'm playing every day now to make a snowman. I have yet to make a perfect snowman. I'll never do it, but mm -hmm. I'm going to try every day. You'll get, you'll get there. I, yeah, I might make one before the snow goes away, but still like the fact that every month there's new little activities, like there mm -hmm. were, there were leaves blowing for like a week. I was very excited about all these little things. So I, I, I definitely put the most time into it and it is part of my day now, but the game that I think looking back at all the games I bought this year that were new, that were, not just good, but were surprisingly good, and at the time I could not stop playing them, was was easily uh, Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake was was so good. And I didn't mm -hmm. expect it to be good. Mm -hmm. I expected that I would kind of be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to play this, I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to be kind of into it. But, I mean, I was... I could not stop playing it. Like, I... I yeah, that, that was another really good one. Yeah, that, that one... I... I I didn't buy a ton of new, new games this year, but that one I couldn't wait once I even heard a little bit from you guys about a game. And once I got it, I could not stop playing it. And I, I had mm -hmm. to make sure I did everything I could, and I can't wait to see what happens next, which will happen in 22 years. So until then, I still can play this one over and over again, and I do enjoy it. So I think I'm going to give my game of the year, even though it's a remake of an old game, but Final Fantasy VII-R was, was incredible. Um, as far as disappointments, I mean, I, I was excited about Cyberpunk, but I didn't get it, so... Eh, I can't say it was disappointing. I knew it wasn't going to be as good on the current systems as it would be on, on a PS5. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't have the new system. I guess my biggest disappointment is that I, I know I'm not going to get one of these new systems for quite a while. Uh, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I didn't buy a lot this year, and the few things I did get, uh, I, I knew I wanted. So there was nothing that I bought and was immediately disappointed with, thankfully, in 2020. And, and again, we played a lot on this podcast. We've done four episodes a month, every month, and I try to finish them all. So Plus, I've started streaming 
I'm playing Seaman and a bunch of old games there too. So I have plenty to play. But as far as new things, I I really did pick some good ones this year. Uh, so disappointing for me would mainly just be that I'm not going to be getting a new system for quite a long time. I, I You stole my answer because for me, Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake was definitely uh, my game of the year. I, mm-hmm. I played it played through it twice. Absolutely love it. I can't wait for it. Like if they're going to do a next-gen version of it or god if we're just gonna have to wait till the next one like you said to come out in in 15 years but we'll see i but yes i absolutely love that game everything they did to it uh the changes and the new direction that it's going to be going i'm i'm totally fascinated with and i still i'm you know i get that itch that i just want to play through that game here and there (laughs) uh, because i just I, i love that game to death uh if i could real quick the biggest redemption for me because i think it was my biggest uh, disappointment of last year was borderlands uh, 3 mm. <laughs> um, that game has turned completely around for me i still think the story is garbage but as far as the <laughs> gameplay goes and everything else about it i have yeah. now beat yeah. it four times at this point um and uh, continue to play it and, and to level up these characters i just mm-hmm. i enjoy playing it at this point and that's something that i never thought i would say at the end of last year when I was just so down on that game. Uh, but luckily I can kind of just, it, it still annoys me, you know, the, the characters and story and just how they did all that. I think they super dropped the ball on all of that. Mm-hmm. But as far as like nailing the gameplay, all the DLC that they've launched, um, you know, all that's been really good. Mm-hmm. I That game's really great. Now. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun when you're not dealing with the main story. Um, is what I think when you're not having to really, uh, you know, deal with the main story at all, like the DLC I liked. Um, and yeah, they did actually do some uh, improvements. I could see, I did get back on there, uh, not too long ago to, to see. I, and it's, it is one of those. that's a lot of fun when, especially when you don't really have like an agenda or anything like that. Um, I, I just went through and replayed some bosses and, and things like that. See how the, see how the old drops were, would treat me. And, that is a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, just just power through the story, I guess, and, and then you'll have fun. Yeah, because once you get past that, you know, like you said, you've got all the DLC. If you mm-hmm. want to do that, you've kind of mm-hmm. got the the mayhem mode where you can kind of introduce these interesting little mods and things like that to the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll get more drops or whatever. It's it's a great game now. Uh, I've I've said it before. Um, it's really come around on me. As far as biggest disappointment, I would probably have to go with Cyberpunk. Uh, this is just fresh, fresh on my mind. Um, I, plus, I don't think there's been like a huge disappointment to me this year. And I was really looking forward to Cyberpunk, you know, even playing it on the PS5. Mm-hmm. I, I had several crashes, hard, hard crashes. Uh, I had a lot, a lot of visual bugs. I had uh, two or three quests just completely bug out to where you couldn't finish them. I know it's early days, but with everything that's happening with, um, uh, you know, their, their PR messaging, how they didn't show the, the PS4 and Xbox one versions at all mm. and, and how garbage they have turned out. Like it's, it's just such a huge disappointment for, for a, a developer that made one of my favorite games of the entire generation, Witcher three. Mm-hmm. And I was really hoping to just get in here and finally get lost in this world in a game <laughs> that I pre-ordered three years ago. Yeah. And so it's it's rough seeing it like it is, and and everyone's really down on it right now. I, I can I just hope it kind of has like a no man's sky turnaround or something oh, like that. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. next year, you know, instead of talking about Borderlands three, I will be talking about <laughs> Cyberpunk because 
It's uh, it's just not really in a playable state right now. I guess on PC it's in better shape, but I don't have a PC that could probably run that and look any better than what it can on PS5. But yeah, uh, that's it's just a total bummer, and I I hope it gets better. I hope everyone just kind of comes around to it eventually and forgets all this mess, and maybe pick it up for like twenty bucks when it's playable next year uh, at some point. So I think that's that's probably going to do it for me. I was like, what games came out this year? <laughs> like I was thinking, I wanted to try that Avengers game, but yeah, uh, I, I just never did, and I almost dropped thirty bucks on it the other day when it was on sale. And uh, just, I, I still didn't do it. I'm going. I, I know I'm going to eventually, even if it, even if it stays bad. Um, uh, I don't know what it is. I, I'm going to have to. I mean, I'm I am the one that toughed it out through Anthem and and played all the way through and. And did what in-game stuff there was, so I, I feel like at this point in time the tradition needs to be continued. I'm going to have to pick this game up, and, and slog through it at some point. Well, I've heard, uh, if nothing else, I've heard of the Avengers game that the Hulk levels are fun, and that's all I'd really be looking for. So I'll probably give that mm -hmm. a shot too. But let's stop talking about what came out this year that was good or disappointing, and let's talk about something that came out way, way before that. The game we're going to talk about today, our last game of 2020, a Christmas title, Snatcher, and we played it on the Sega CD. right and uh this is i enjoy this game if for no other reason uh then i can bring it up to defend the sega cd at any given point in time um you know because when people want to want to talk a little shit about the sega cd and believe it or not people often do uh I, it's i can't just pull i can't pull out sewer shark um yeah i can't pull out even you know my goddamn favorite mansion of hidden souls um, you know, it's usually still crickets, uh, but Snatcher was always one of those games you could mention, um, and, and people would, eh, had a little nod of respect for the Sega CD. I, I uh, have remembered picking this up, uh, renting this shortly after I got the Sega CD, because uh, there, there weren't a ton of games available for me to rent for this thing, and that was one of them. That um, and Rise of the Dragon, uh, which... which very similar in some regards, and I would constantly mix up over the years. Uh, but Snatcher is the one I remember uh, for different scenes, which we'll probably talk about as, as we go through. And I also remember it as being one of the, uh, you know, first games I had played that was just really, really uh, narrative heavy. I think this was the closest to an interactive movie um, I, I had played at that point in time. Um, and, and it did leave an impression on me and apparently a lot of people because um, it seems to be held in, in, in pretty high regards. And, and hey, um, anybody that, that didn't get their, uh, their, their fix of a uh, 
a cyberpunk themed game here at the end of the year. Go ahead, go ahead and find this one. Track this one down. It's 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 one hundred percent working. Yeah, I think we accidentally just kind of like <laughs> like we picked this because it's a Christmas game, and I'm I'm sure like nobody remembers that whatsoever. But like uh, you know, cyberpunk just did just come out and and totally we we kind of put these two together by accident mm-hmm. and this is like a, a total a, a great cyberpunk you know even like the when it comes up on the the screen if it's like dedicated all the cyberpunks out there or something mm-hmm. uh it's it's really cool like the whole setting and everything i did not ever play it as a kid but i remember seeing it in magazines a lot i think the the screens everyone remembers is you know they they would always post were like the the dog laying there with his guts hanging out or or mm-hmm. the guy with his his head cut off or whatever like you you saw those and you're like holy shit like this game's fucking serious like you didn't really see violence like that back in the day especially like you know drawn out like that it, it was just super crazy and i always wanted to play it because i was way into anime back then but since it really only came out on the sega cd there wasn't no way i was playing it i always held out hope that it would get ported eventually to like the playstation i think it actually did get a port to the playstation but it was only in japan uh but yeah it never came over here in a way that i could play it until emulation came up and finally years and years and years later i got to experience snatcher yeah i had this on sega cd originally uh i was very excited to get the copy of this i never finished it on sega cd just i i like I kept thinking, like I'm gonna start playing it now, and I never really did. I I tried it. I thought it was neat, and I put it on the side, and I just never picked it up again, which was a mistake. And then, uh, you know, sold all my Sega CD stuff uh, in a in a moment of panic and regret that that sale more than anything else I've ever sold. So, uh, not just Snatcher, but all the stuff I lost. But so I was very excited that we were going to cover this. I finally was gonna get to play it. Uh, we did play the Sega CD version because it is the only version that came out in the United States or Europe. All the other versions of this game came out only in Japan. It actually was originally put out in 1988 on computers over there. From there, it was ported over to the PC Engine, uh, therefore the TurboGrafx-16, in 1992, and then the Sega CD in 1994, PlayStation and Saturn a year after that. And so it's been on, you know, as all these old systems in Japan, plenty of people could have played it. They put it out here only on the Sega CD. It only sold about 1,000 copies. <laughs> And was considered a massive failure, so they've never put out anything else, which is very disappointing. And it was only a failure because they put it out on the Sega CD. I think if this would have been released on the PlayStation or even the Saturn, it would have done way, way better. But the Sega CD, you know, by the time this came out here, which was early, early 1995, people were already looking for the next next generation. They were not worried about hunting down a Sega CD and Snatcher. So that is disappointing. Um, This game is notable because it is the second game created and written by Hideo Kojima, who his first mm. game he was the main creative mind behind was Metal Gear, obviously, which also was on computers. And then later on, you know, we played it on Nintendo and it became this massive series that he's been in charge of the entire time. Uh, and Snatcher was his second game. It put out a year later again on computers and then later on ported all these other things. He did not actually have a hand in porting the Sega CD version, but uh, it it's pretty close to what the TurboGrafx one was, which he did work on more, I guess, the PC Engine version. So uh, th- this is... Essentially, especially in the U.S., the version you're going to play of this. The only other way you're going to find this game on something you could buy and find in the United States is if you did get the TurboGrafx Mini that came out last year. Snatcher's TurboGrafx version is on there, but it's only in Japanese because it was never released in English. So good luck. There's a lot of text in this game. (laughs) Uh, If you do not read Japanese, there's no chance that you're going to be able to finish that game. 
at all. There's there's voice acting, but I believe it's also Japanese voice acting. So you're just kind of screwed uh, if you're playing that version. But hey, that's a way you can legally play the game, or you can again find a copy of Snatcher, which is going to be very expensive uh, and, a, and a working Sega CD. But we found a, a way to play it without having to do those things on the Sega CD version, which is what we're going to talk about. And I do want to make sure. I, I know that sometimes we're like, oh, we don't want to spoil this game or whatever. Uh, as this game is, like Billy said, as close to an interactive movie as you're going to have played at this time. Mm-hmm. We're going to ruin this game for you. So if, if you care about the story of Snatcher and you're like, oh, I don't want these three guys to tell me the story, then perhaps you should go to the end where we answer questions. I don't know. There's almost no way we're not going to ruin the story. We'll try to start with how the game works and a, a few minor points, but we're going to give away the story. I think that's the only way to yeah, actually we, talk about we, this game. We don't want to hear any bitching. Well, you can, but we're we warning don't. you. I'm warning you now. <laughs> we're going to ruin this oh, game I, for I you. Didn't, I didn't say you can't. You can't bitch. <laughs> we don't want to hear it, though. But you can Feel free. Uh, you know, I think Jeremy does the mail, so do do it over there. So only he has to see it. I ain't listening to that shit. Mm. Uh, so this game is essentially uh, like an adventure game, like a, a graphic adventure game, but instead of being mm-hmm. a game where you you know walk around and you know you have a mouse pointer and you click on things, like some of the ones we've covered, like Willie Beamish or um, like Willie Beamish <laughs> or even Beavis and Butthead, where you kind of had to move around the screen and. and you know, find items. This is entirely done like it. I mean, I had a bunch of games like this on the computer where you can basically see one screen. And sometimes some of the, some things on the screens move like that you can look at, but you don't actually interact with the screen itself, uh, with the, the image itself. Instead, at the bottom of the, of the screen, you have some commands of what you're supposed to do. So, you know, the game starts, you get your introduction, and then, you know, the first scene you're supposed to do something, it, it'll say like, what room do you want to go to? And then a series of rooms will come at the bottom you can click on, and you, you click on it, you want to go to a certain room, and then it changes the picture you're seeing into that room. And then you can you have your series of commands. You could do all those commands there until eventually you decide to go to a different room. And the story is, is taught to you that way. So you go to all these rooms. You are a detective. Uh, and so you'll you know go to each of these rooms and do some investigating and see if you can find clues to figure out these mis- this mystery you're trying to figure out. And we're again we're going to get into the story shortly, but I kind of just wanted to explain how the game works. It's not that it's it's not an action game normally, although there is one uh, kind of an action aspect to this game. Uh, because you are a detective and you do have a gun, there are sections where you'll be attacked when you're out doing your you know your detective work. And so then the screen becomes instead of becoming a like a light gun game or like you know, Operation Wolf, where you're moving the cursor around and firing at guys that run at you. Instead, the screen basically becomes a, a three by three grid, and you you know you, you can see the reticle for your gun in one of these nine squares, and you push the directional pad to go that direction. So you push upper left to go upper left, and lower left to go lower left, and things will show up that are always conveniently in those you know one of those middle of those squares. And if you fire at that square at the time you need to, uh, by pushing in that direction and hitting your fire button, you will you know, essentially you're playing whack-a-mole. You're playing a, a very uh, a very pretty version of whackable for combat in this game, yeah. and yeah. it doesn't happen Basically. very often at the beginning. But it, it later on in the game, it basically is the the last part of the game is a, a wall of those things. Mm-hmm. First thing, first thing, uh, I got to mention because it's one of the first things I noticed, uh, and it sets a tone for what you'll experience throughout the game. The opening, <laughs> the opening like soundtrack for this is fucking slamming. Oh, holy fuck. And when, that's, uh, when that sack hits. <laughs> oh, yeah. There is a fucking, you've got, I, all the, the damn, you know, cyberpunk tropes are, are here. Um, and, and it's just that kind of music that fits with kind of the grimy, kind of sleazy damn, you know, environment you're in. 
I, and you get that greasy saxophone that comes in. And, and I think the beginning of this game did the most um, to really get my interest up and get me in the mood to, to kind of just, uh, you know, absorb this, uh, this journey we were going on in this universe. Um, this game has one of these stronger, um, intros uh, of any. It, it does an amazing job of just setting up everything. I mean, this mm -hmm. is, this is Hideo Kojima starting his, you know, I'm going to be cinematic as hell, you know, style of video games. Like, I think this is his first big foray into it. Um, and man, you can just like just the way it starts up, everything you see, the music, it's mm -hmm. you're in for a treat, basically. Yeah. Uh an early nineties treat, basically. It's it's just mm -hmm. an amazing way to uh to get to get into the game and, and and really see what what his vision is by basically just taking a bunch of other things that he's seen <laughs> and putting them <laughs> together into one. Well, and, and the biggest thing is clearly, like any cyberpunk thing, you know, is, is that this is very, very based on the themes and the visual style of Blade Runner. So if you've seen mm -hmm. Blade Runner, you know exactly what he's aiming for. And, I mean, the game from the get-go, everything's neon. You know, you're in this, the, the city that the game is based in is called Neo Kobe City. It's a, basically a city that was, it's uh, designed to be, uh, it was like a, a totally designed and planned out city that was supposed to be kind of like a new Tokyo. And... The, the story of this game, uh, the Snatchers in this game, are essentially these robots that will mm -hmm. look like human beings, and they put human skin on. Uh, they, they basically find someone of importance, like let's say the president, and they will kidnap the president or kill the president, and all of a sudden the president shows back up, but he's not really the president anymore. He's one of these Snatchers. They are you know, robots that are designed to infiltrate our society, or the Neo-Kobe society. And so your job as Jillian Seed is to be a junker. A junker is a person, uh, the agent, the junkers are an agency designed specifically to hunt down these snatchers. And, mm -hmm. you know, you got to figure out who's a snatcher. You got to find definite proof that they're a snatcher. There are rules that you have to follow that the game will give you a very detailed list of rules uh, on what to do to stop these snatchers. So, as in the game, you're basically going around parts of Neo Kobe City to try to figure out if, if the person you're you know looking for is supposed to be a snatcher or not. And if they are a snatcher, you can dispose of them. If they are a snatcher, or I'm sorry, if they are a snatcher, you can dispose of them. Otherwise, you're not allowed to kill random people. Like, it, it, it doesn't allow you anyway in the game, but that's the setup of the game. You know, you're, you're a detective for one specific purpose. You're not a police officer. You're literally there to hunt down and find these snatchers. So which, uh, which movies have we described so far? We've got Blade Runner. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100% Blade Runner. Uh, we, we got Terminator in mm -hmm, there. Yes. Uh, we got some They Live a little bit. <laughs> and we've also got some Akira with, uh, you know, Neo-Tokyo. A lot of the violence totally reminds me of Akira. Mm -hmm. there, it, it's literally like he just saw like four or five movies. and He's like, I want to combine all of these into my game. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, no, there's no, directors it, that it, do that all the time now. Good, he made some good picks. Yeah, and it was it, it works. It you know it's those are great movies to to see and be like, all right, that's what I want my sci-fi movie to be like. And even like going with the Blade Runner thing, even the beginning of that when it's showing like the skyline, there's a lot of buildings that are just taken straight out of the skyline from Blade Runner. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So, he he knows what he's doing, yeah. uh, and he is not shy about saying like he enjoys these movies. So I'm just going to put mm. I'm just going to lift parts of these movies and yeah. put them into my games you know the only shame about the the whole they live thing is that i wish they could have fit in a 20 minute uh, alleyway fist fight 
in this game somewhere. Oh, it's the only thing it's missing. Uh, but no, I, I just I was immediately um, I, I just love this. <laughs> I do. Uh, I know it's the beginning. I'm gonna go ahead and reveal it. I fucking love this game. Uh, I, I love any kind of. I love the setting. I like being in that that detective role, and, and I thought it was certainly unique at that time to have that those things kind of mesh together, um, where you are not. You know, you see the setting, you see the cyberpunk thing. You think it's just gonna be guns ablazing, but it's not. There's a lot of investigation. There's a, this is a slow paced game. Um, to the extent that it might be off-putting um, for some folks. Uh, but if you can let yourself just get, you know, like I said at the beginning, just starting with that intro, if you can let yourself get absorbed in this, um, the length of this game, what, what would you, maybe seven to ten hour game, maybe? Maybe less than less than ten for sure. Yeah, it, um, it, you could probably get through this game if you take your time and enjoy mm -hmm. The game there's a lot to dig in if you want to you could take six hours on your first playthrough of this and yeah. not feel like you wasted a ton of time yeah. um, and i love how much of a detective this detective is right down to the fact that he has a fucking estranged wife I, you don't get much more fucking detective than that well yeah as, as jillian seed who's your character the the junker you're you know you're uh, you're controlling for the game uh his ex-wife, or I guess his, his current wife that he's estranged from, his name Jamie, and both of them, and this is given to you at the start of the story, this is not a secret, mm -hmm. uh, are, are new, he's a brand new junker, and they were mm -hmm. found three years ago, uh, at, like in the middle of Siberia, brought back to Neo Kobe, and, uh, and don't have any memory of their lives before they were picked yeah. up. They have amnesia, no one knows quite why, or at least no one's telling them quite why, but your characters have no idea. Like Jamie and Jillian both have no idea why, you know, Anything about their past, they know that they were married, but because of that, uh, Jamie has decided that it's time for you guys to be separated for a while because, you know, hopefully maybe you'll get some memories back or whatever, but she just doesn't feel like anything makes sense. So you're separated. You're not really on bad terms. You, you actually, uh, you know, call her several times in the game, and mm -hmm. there's little conversations with her. She also becomes a more important character towards the end of the game. But the, so there's all these little side plots about your character that all do mm -hmm. kind of tie in towards the end but the biggest thing i noticed was so when you start the game as far as i'm sorry the biggest thing i noticed for building this world not just was the intro really cool and then you have your own character's background story but you start mm -hmm. the game after that at the junker headquarters the junkers only have five members there's you and gene jack gibson who is the other junker um the other mm -hmm. um, what are they called they have titles. agents or... well they're, they're yeah basically they're, they're the agents yeah. that actually go out and do the investigations and will actually fight uh and and kill snatchers if they can uh there's the chief benson cunningham there mm -hmm. is who's in charge of the entire uh, agency there's harry benson who's the engineer that is there to kind of help you with your weaponry he gives you a um a turbo cycle, which is essentially the way you get around through this game, is you, you don't have to drive it, thankfully. You just say, hey, I want to go here, and then it shows you a little cool you know, shot of you in this turbo cycle uh, driving to the location. Uh, and then Mika Slayton, who is the operator. Uh, at first I thought she was like the secretary, but she actually is kind of, uh, she does all the administrative functions uh, that of, of the junker of headquarters, mm -hmm. other than what the chief would do and what the engineer does. And then you and you and Jack, John Jack Gibson, would be the ones who go out and actually, you know, do the investigations, find out who a snatcher is and take care of it. So the, the game starts with you at the headquarters, and you get to meet everybody except for, except for Gibson. And there's a computer in a, in there's a computer room there you can go into and at that computer room there's a whole huge chunk of game lore that you can just read 
And I did. Mm-hmm. I read every bit of it because I thought it was interesting. There's a lot of background to this world. They talk about how, you know, 50 years ago there was some kind of catastrophe that wiped out half the world's population. And now there's a new catastrophe that's coming that these Snatchers are probably a part of that no one's really sure what to do about. They give you the whole history of Neo Kobe. They give you the 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 geographic explanation of the city and also the social, mm-hmm. you know, the, where where different races are and why it's such a mixed race city and all these. I mean, it gives you a whole bunch of background that explains everything you need to know about the game. And you will you will need to read it to kind of understand how to tell if someone's a snatcher or yeah. not, because there's a lot of background there about what snatchers do and, and how you can tell if someone's a snatcher or not. All that's in that background, too. I, it's not like, you know, a fallout where if you skip a diary laying on the ground, you're fine. Uh, you need to go ahead and commit to if there's something to read uh to not only to don't skim it to actually sit there read what is there uh it's a game i I feel you need to be very detail oriented when you play through uh you you can't really take any shortcuts in this one Uh, and this again is hideo doing his thing to where Mm -hmm. like in, in a modern day game of his this would be somebody that just would just sit there and give you exposition for the next 40 minutes or so uh, but here you actually have to go through and read it. It's obvious he has put a lot, a, a mm-hmm. ton of thought into this world that he's built. And it's all there for you to read. And it is, like you guys said, it's pretty pretty fun to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's very few things in this game that I would classify as it, something that didn't interest me. Yeah. Uh, there, whether it be weird details about things because all of, you know, as much as as this game is very serious on its uh, on its face, it's also doing Hideo's thing of like, it can also be very silly mm-hmm. and there's like fun little, you know, Easter eggs to find in here. Uh, you know, it's just, there's so much to look for because this game is really, really dense in a lot of ways. But again, if you don't want to read it, I guess you don't have to, but I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't. Yeah. Well, and again, I think you're making it harder on yourself because the the way this game progresses the story in in that you go to each of these sections of or each of these rooms where you see the one image sometimes there's someone to talk to there sometimes there's not and instead of just saying like you're in this room and here's a description of the room it says look and you you know you hit the look button and it'll say look at floor look at ceiling look at desk look at whatever and you have to make sure mm-hmm. you do that several times uh, because a lot of times it'll say things like uh, it looks like the desk has a drawer and then when you hit look again next time, now there's desk drawer. And it'll say, look at the desk drawer. I'll say, oh, the desk drawer is locked. And you'll have found a key earlier in the game. So you go to your possessions, and there's a, one of the, the items is to go through your possessions and use the key in the drawer. And then the drawer opens. And now it says, okay, now you can look in the drawer. And you have to just keep using these same commands, but they require that you have you know, already read... Um, You've already either looked at something or had the investigation robot because you have a little investigator robot that helps you, which is also awesome because it's named Metal Gear and it looks like Metal Gear. Um... You know, he, he will investigate something. So if you have, like, it, there's all the, you keep going to these people's bathrooms uh, because they you want to see if they have sunblock. That's part of the, the game is that sunblock apparently is the sign that you're a snatcher or can be. So you'll go into people's bathrooms doing investigations on people, and you'll you'll say, oh, this, there's some tube of liquid there. And so your robot will investigate that tube of liquid and be able to tell you, like, yeah, I've, I've analyzed the components of this. This does appear to be, you know, this sun brand, this sun sunscreen brand that you're looking for or whatever. So you have... You have to make sure you keep doing all those things over and over again, or else the options you need, even sometimes to leave the room you're in, will not pop up. So if you didn't read all that background information, and you didn't pay attention as the game's telling you, like, here's some signs that someone might be a snatcher. Like, you get a whole speech on what you're supposed to do. And if you're not paying attention to that things, when you get to these rooms and these sections, you're going to just get lost. And you're going to mm-hmm. feel like, why do I just keep, uh, why do I keep clicking these same things over and over again? And that was something I, 
I kind of didn't like because there were a lot of times where I knew, like, I know what I'm supposed to do now. But I had to keep yeah. looking at it or keep investigating something over and over again until eventually, you know, it'll say like, oh, yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense because now I see some claw marks on the wall. OK, well, now I can go forward. Like and it wouldn't let you do that before you saw that one little clue. Um, that's not a major complaint, but it definitely I, I think there were definitely times where I was like, well, I don't know what to do now. I can't do what I want. So I'm just going to keep looking at it over and over again until eventually it gives me a new option. Mm. I, it's kind of got that that adventure game trope that, you know, we've we've talked about several times whenever we do seems like we do one of these these games i it i don't know if it's just the thing that you know how they wanted to do these games back then or if this is you know hideo saw uh, western adventure games being done like this but yeah it, it seems like it's a little bit less cumbersome than something like willie beamish where you literally had to click on everything and hear a story about everything um and and not know if you were just going to instantly die if you picked the wrong thing mm. uh this one is it's kind of you know, you kind of really, you can only see so many things here. It's not a very detailed looking world. Uh, you know, it's not like hand drawn or anything. It looks really yeah. good, but you know, there's only so much you can look at in these, in these situations. So yeah, the whole thing of just like needing to investigate something several times before it actually clicks over and you're like, Oh, okay, we can move on now. It just seems like it's one of those weird adventure game things. Mm -hmm. That's just, that has always bothered me about adventure games, but it didn't, bother me in this game as much as it does like a lot of those those early adventure games especially like willie beamish did yeah no i, I again that's a minor complaint but that's i have so few complaints on this game that i feel like i should at least bring that up that, that is <laughs> that is a little tedious there are parts where you're gonna be like i know exactly what i'm supposed to do there's a section where you're kind of going through this escape tunnel and you have to just mm. keep looking around the room over and over until eventually it's like well it looks like the floor is concrete I can go forward now. You're like, what? Why did I have to do that? <laughs> There's just little times where, and again, maybe that's the translation. Uh, maybe, I'm not sure. But but it only happened a few times where I was annoyed by it. But most of the time, I thought it flowed very well. You'd want to already investigate everything. You'd want to talk to everybody. You want to ask every question you can to open up all your options to, to figure out what you're supposed to do. The story of this kind of kicks off after you're in Junker headquarters and you get your kind of breakdown of what everything does and how to play the game. There's a, a shooting range there to kind of help you learn how to do that action game portion, which... We already kind of explained, and it is, it happens several times in the game, but if you're going to play this, at least go to the, the shooting range once or twice to get down how this game works. Because when it does start combats in this game, it doesn't really give you a warm-up. You just start full-blown in combat. So use that use that uh, that shooting range at, at headquarters. But yeah, so you get a call in headquarters that the other um, the other agent, uh, John Jack Gibson, is, is out at this abandoned factory, and he needs backup. So they send you immediately to go help him, and... When you get there, you're doing some investigations. It's totally empty. You can't seem to find anything until eventually you find the body of uh, first John Jack's uh, robot friend, because he has one like you do. You have Metal Gear, and he's got Little John, who's like this little, he almost looks like Wally, -E, but this would have been way before Wally. -E. And you, you find the, the body of his robot helper all, all chopped up and torn apart, and then you go down the hallway a little longer, and you find the body of John Jack Gibson. And that was the scene I think that Billy talked about where, or yeah, where, where yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, you're like, that was a, I, you, you didn't see things like that at the, at the time. I mean, I, you know, and, and even with mortal Kombat, I, I don't think I, I I'm going to say that throughout the nineties, um, this may be, and this was early nineties. This, this may be the uh, most gruesome, uh, decapitated head scene. Uh, you would get in video games for quite some time. 
Uh, it's very detailed. I mean, it's it is. it's not just some sprite getting his head ripped off and then like you know a bunch of blood comes spurting out. You know, but this is like a looks. It's, it's basically like a comic book panel. You know, it's it's very graphic. It's it's done in the way of kind of like you know that. That's why I mentioned Akira, like the violence mm -hmm. in that. Like it's very yeah. detailed. It's it's right there in your face. Like it wants you to squirm whenever you see it. So. Uh, and that's one of the things I love most about this game. It's just the the amount of violence it throws at you at times and making you just kind of like, oh, God, that's that's rough. I can't believe this got through any sort of, uh, I think, well, this got a, a mature rating, I believe, mm -hmm. here in the U.S., which is probably a good reason it didn't sell any besides nobody owning a Sega CD. Those games didn't exist back then, really. So, yeah, this uh, the violence in this game is definitely on the adult scale of things. Well, and this is, this is where you're... You know, your investigation essentially starts here because you have to then, you know, look at his body and it keeps going back to that same screen uh, and, and you have to search through his pockets and find whatever you had on him to try to figure out, you know, why was he in this abandoned factory? You know, are there any clues on the, you know, who would have killed him because there's no one else there anymore? Uh, and you get, uh, you know, a key, you get a piece of paper that has an, like some, some um, it says, I think, explore the house or search the house or something like that. And then you find the memory chip from Little John that you can try to bring back. Also, you, you know, you're... Metal Gear assistant robot will scan him and it's like, oh, he has some, you know, uh, human skin under his fingernails and he has some some hair in his other hand, like a couple of strands of hair that aren't his. So you get to take those and, you know, figure out, okay, we've, we've ran this scan on this and this person had this kind of blood type and this person had this kind of blood type and it looks like they actually be two different people. There's a lot of stuff that if you didn't sit there and go through each thing, you know, you would get lost and not know what to do, except that the game doesn't allow you to leave. The game doesn't mm -hmm. let you leave that building until you've done all these little steps to know what, you know, okay, now I have this piece of evidence. I need, now need to run out of there. That has your first action segment because along with Snatchers, for whatever reason, and I think this is entirely for a, a gameplay <laughs> A gameplay reason as opposed to a logical reason. Uh, the Snatchers don't just stay alone. They have these like little bugs that for whatever reason show up wherever they are. So you have to fight a bunch of these little bugs. And the little bugs just fly in those quadrants of the screen. You have to shoot them like whack-a-mole. Mm. And that's that's your first real action segment if you didn't do the uh, the shooting range. And from there you did get you guys, uh, oops, I just want to ask real quick, did you guys break out your Sega Enforcers to play these? Uh, <laughs> I did segments? not. I knew that they used it, but I do not have an Enforcer. I never had the enforcer. Um, I, I never. I guess uh, I, I only got a half-assed experience. Um, man, there weren't many reasons to break out the enforcer. I, I can't believe I read that and I was like, "Oh my god, really? That actually worked with this game." <laughs> I, I guess you know, Lethal Enforcers was another Konami game, so they were like, "Here's our one chance to use this damn gun again." Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't. I, I don't even know how you'd really use it. I mean, this—the way you control this, uh, these shooting sections are literally just—you know—you're pointing your your controller into that quadrant of the screen. So, I mean, is there like another cursor on this, or does it just light up that quadrant? It doesn't seem like it would be worth it to use it anyway. So, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, I, I like when you you can get a the option of using those sort of things, but we did not try it to see how well it worked. Um, so from that point, you get to go back to the headquarters and, you know, that you get to to go through the computer to see if you can figure out any information on the the data you found, you get to give the memory chip over to the engineer to try to figure out, okay, what, what was on Little John's memory chip? And from that point, I mean, the game basically opens up the rest of Neo Kobe to you. So you get to start in Jugger headquarters, you go to the abandoned factory, you can go to your own house, you can go to Gibson's house to try to go there and, and see if you can get any clues on what he was up to. From there, you get 
you know, sense around the city. My favorite place in the city is Alton Plaza, and that's why it's a Christmas game. This game does take place at Christmas, but the game only reminds you of that in Alton Plaza, where it plays Christmas music and where everything's dressed up for Christmas because it's all the neon signs. It's like a shopping district. Uh, at one point, someone you're talking to is dressed up like Santa Claus for no real good reason except that they can. Like, that was that's the part that I guess I never got that far in the game originally, so I had no idea this game happened at Christmas. But once I found that out, we had to cover it <laughs> as a Christmas game. Uh, and yeah, any, Anything to get away from home alone. Yeah, Maybe we'll get there eventually. Year. Yeah, we might, we might have to finally jump into that... Uh, into that game, but for thankfully this year we were able to play Snatcher, uh, which is way different than Home Alone. Uh, from there, uh, and again, you know, we mentioned that your little robot friend is called Metal Gear. Well, the club that's kind of the focus of the first ch- chunk of the game is Outer Heaven. Another nod to Metal Gear. Um, mm-hmm. What I liked about Outer Heaven, you go in there and you're supposed to talk to a dancer and some other stuff, but there's a crowd in there, and in the U.S. version, that crowd is all Konami characters. So you've got the dudes from Contra, you've got uh, Simon Belmont, you've got <laughs> you've got a, a bunch of people from other Konami games that are all there as like the the crowd. And I didn't realize that's just for the Sega CD version. In Japan, it's actually like uh, other pop culture references that they all removed because they were worried about lawsuits coming over for this version. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, there was like a few things that they changed. I believe they actually changed the age of the uh, oh, what's the little girl's name? Uh, Gibson's daughter, uh, who you yeah, had to they, talk they, to. They, is... they bumped her up, bumped her up a little bit. Well, there's yeah, a scene. And... There's a scene where you uh, kind of sneak in on her in the shower, and I guess they thought her being 14 that was inappropriate. So she became 18 for this game. Yeah, and even got some boob on that one. Like that, it's like, yeah. like they they censored um, out that, and like a couple of other uh, scenes where like the snatcher, you could see like some some boobs on them. So uh, they it, censored it, this down a little bit, but it's still you know pretty. It's still a little adult. risque here and there though. Oh yeah, there's there's all these scenes, especially the ones where. You, uh, where, um, god damn. Whereas Jillian, you're talking to any of the female characters in the game, you'll just like, it's like, look at them. They'll be like, you look awful nice tonight. Would you like to go out for a drink later? And they're like, oh, stop it. And then you'll keep doing it and they'll keep saying like rude things to them. <laughs> and I'm like, that's crazy. But the, the Japanese version's way worse. Apparently, like, uh, as far as, as that goes, it's a little more uh, aggressive with those, uh, those moves. Mm-hmm. So the story of this game. Again, there's almost no way to talk about this game without really ruining what happens. But essentially, you track down the two Snatchers that, uh, that killed uh, Gibson. And from that point, you also kind of learn a little more about the, the Snatcher plan. And you have to find, they have like a hospital, a hidden hospital in the city that's supposed to help them. Because Snatchers, uh, the biggest weakness to Snatchers is that their fake skin can't deal with the sun. If they're out in the sun for very long at all, they just start getting covered in cancerous tumors, and it becomes very obvious that they aren't real people. So they have to only operate at night, and if they do go out at all, they still put on sunscreen even if it's at night. So they have these special hospitals to fix uh, to fix their skin, and so you have to infiltrate one of those. And from that point, you can kind of, you know, you go down this hole where you find out the entire Snatcher plan across the world, which involves, you know, going to, uh, going to Moscow, back to where the Kremlin used to be, and... <laughs> And there's a, I mean, it's a massive story that's very much reminds me of all the Metal Gear stories, where it's this giant, like, world domination plot. But, you know, it starts out as something that seems pretty, pretty, you know, like a standard mission in the, in the case of Metal Gear. And, uh, and in this game, it's like, yeah, well, you're supposed to stop these, these snatchers. And all of a sudden, you're in this giant worldwide conspiracy. And of course, because you have amnesia, you get some clues as to who you were before. And 
you know, you, you were found three years ago. Conveniently, these snatchers started appearing three years ago. Maybe there's a connection. Uh, and, of mm. course, you know, y- you do find out by the end of the game that you, you're you very, very much uh, a part of the, the reason these snatchers exist. And uh, it this is such a good game. Like, I loved playing it. I almost hate telling you co- anything about the right end of the story because I could not put this game down. Yeah, it, it, it is every bit. Um, and especially if you like... Um, this kind of setting anyway. Um, God damn, Uh, this is a wonderful game and it tells a great story. Um, it it really does. And, um, and and just imagine play this back at the time. I was fucking mind blowing. Uh, cause I, cause this was a genre, um, that at that time was still, still pretty new to me. Uh, so this was maybe, maybe a bit of a gateway right here. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is one of those that, when you sit down and really get into it, I, a few games do uh, things like creating suspense or or stirring up intrigue. Not many games out there uh, do it as well as this one. I yeah, this is this is a really great game by you know for it, it's it's a classic for a reason. I think, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about the story. Like, I think acts one and two, there's three acts total in the game. One and two, I think, are as close to perfect as you can get, you know, as for what this game is is doing. And actually, one and two were the only acts that were in the original game. Uh, I believe it didn't, they didn't make act three until it came to either uh, the Turbo Graphics or or this. I can't remember which one they finally added it to. The Turbo Graphics version. Okay, yeah. So... Act three, I think, is kind of a complete mess uh, mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in the best Hideo Kojima way. Uh, <laughs> you're not really, you don't actually do too much in Act three compared to the other acts. Um, it is just a whole lot of exposition, a whole lot of uh, plot twists that just kind of come out of nowhere, uh, and it's it it's it's just a mess. If you played a Hideo Kojima game before, you know what to expect. Yes. It all just kind of comes around in this craziness. That does does not make any sense whatsoever, but still, it's it's fun to just kind of sit there and just take it all in, even though it can't take. Uh, I, I think Jeremy said he needed like a nap to make it through the thirty minute long <laughs> ending. Um, but yes, I, I think before that, once you acts one and two t- are more than enough uh, of just how great this game is, just to experience it. Um, and and act three is just it's kind of there. I, it's it's never been my favorite part of the game, uh, but by God, he's he sure went out of his way to, to get all the crazy he wanted to in there. Yeah, Acts 1 and 2, which were the original game, are, are essentially, the, the first act is finding out who killed Gibson, and then Act 2 is essentially, hey, someone who's at Junker headquarters also appears to be a snatcher, and you got to figure mm. out who that is and out them, and that, that has a whole lot involved with it. That's how you get involved with the hospitals and all this other stuff to try to figure out, you know, who is the the mole essentially because you can't just assume it's a great murder mystery oh it's it's yeah. great and and it's the the rules of the of the junkers are basically like you can't just scan somebody's bio uh signature to see if they're real or not unless you have a warrant and you can't get a warrant unless you can prove that they're probably a snatcher so you can't just be like okay someone here's the snatcher let's scan everybody it doesn't you can't do that you have to have a, a um you know legally in the world of snatcher you can't do that so I, I i thought it was done really well the first two acts end with you know the second act ends with essentially finding out who the mole is and confronting them in this giant action scene <laughs> towards the end to to uh, to 
break back into the headquarters and, and confront them. And that you can tell that's what was supposed to be the end too, because the game even's even like, all right, we have one, this is the end. This is where we're coming to the end of this thing. And and then all of a sudden you're in Act Three. And Act Three, you know, I mentioned this is a global conspiracy. Act Three kind of takes what maybe was written out as as a much longer game or maybe a sequel that was never made and they cram all of it in real quick and it becomes more of what you'd expect in a, in a current Metal Gear where there is 30 minutes of exposition because that's essentially mm-hmm. what you're going to sit through. You're going to sit through a huge chunk of exposition uh, and, and you know, kind of going through this lab in Moscow and then, you know, find out who the ultimate uh, mastermind behind the whole thing is and then they talk to you for 30 minutes and it's like the whole thing <laughs> just keeps going and then the end is just watching it. Like, you don't do anything. You just watch the ending thing occur and... And then you're back at home, and then you're you know the the game kind of ends on another cliffhanger where it's like all right, well there's still some more to do, so we're going to send you off to go do some more things, and that's that's the end of it. Like it's the craziest, it's it's the craziest uh, end of the third one, and you can see that they could have done more, but uh, as this did not do incredibly well here, and uh, you know mm-hmm. it's not like uh, Kojima had nothing else to do. He had Metal Gear going on very well, and he actually made kind of a it's not a sequel to this, but it's a very similar game called Police Knots. It's like this that's. Uh, never came over here in any form, so I've never tried mm. that. Uh, he'd already moved on to that, so like they, they never made a sequel to this for whatever reason. They've never decided to re-release even this version in the U.S. except for the you know again if you have the TurboGrafx Express or I'm sorry TurboGrafx uh, Mini, you can play the Japanese version. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it's if it's that Konami doesn't think it's worth it or if they don't own the rights to certain things. But they've never re-released this game, uh, which is a real shame because I, I like we've all said it's it's a really good story. It's really an engrossing world and it's fun to get into. And it's the kind of game that we've we've played a good deal of these adventure games. Even Willie Beamish that yeah. we did most recently, uh, there were parts of that game where I got stuck and I had to look stuff up and I was like, how am I supposed to get through this? This is crazy. A lot of these adventure games have some logic jumps that I don't think make any sense. I only had to look up one thing for this game and. Everything else, the game, because it doesn't let you leave an area until you've really explored it and investigated mm-hmm. everything, it's it's really hard to need help uh, to get through this game. The only thing I needed help with was in order to find out a secret contact that Gibson had been dealing with, whose name is Napoleon. Mm-hmm. You find out his name. You can ask everyone about him. You know almost everything you need, but you can't. You don't have his phone number, and his phone number is on a brandy bottle that someone else has. Yeah. And it's it's like why that's the weirdest connection. Everything else made total sense, and I had no problem figuring out like what I was generally what I was supposed to do. That's the only thing where when I got the solution, I was like, what? Why would another guy have a bottle of liquor that was you know had this guy Napoleon's phone number on the bottom? Like this is dumb. I don't understand this this. Li-. And I got concerned at that point because I was like, man, if the whole game's got jumps like this, I'm gonna have to just basically look at a walkthrough. That's no fun. But after that, I didn't have to look up anything, and I just played it and enjoyed just figuring out what to do next and letting the game kind of happen. It's a, it's a breezy little adventure game. I, I, I've never been too smart with playing adventure games. Uh, and this one, like, you know, besides like a couple little things here and there, like if you pay attention, if you read, uh, what's there, you know, it's, it's, you can get through it pretty easy and it's just so damn enjoyable. Like this is for a Sega CD game. It looks great. Like the art is just amazingly well done for it. Uh, the music, the sound, the, even the voices, you know, they're cheesy as hell, but I enjoy them. It's just a really, really great little adventure game. And I think it's, I wish I could play Police Knots. I've always wanted to play that game. But, you know, with translations and stuff like that, I'm not going to sit here and, and read it as it goes along. It's just too much effort. But to have this one here, I think we're very lucky, even if it is almost goddamn impossible to, to play it <laughs> unless, unless you're on an emulator or something like we yeah. are. 
Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, and, and like I said, this was, um, as a Sega CD owner, this was the crown jewel. And and going back to play it, uh, God, I forgot. I, I almost forgot how much I enjoyed this game. And I sat down and just played this thing for long stretch. I did. I finished this game in like two sittings because uh, it's one of those that just it just pulls you in, and you can't wait to see what's happening next. You can't wait to see what's happening with these characters. You know whether you're, uh, you know, finding out who the fucking the, the, person on the inside is or you're trying to find out more about your past there are so many little little mysteries that pop up along the way and i think everything um is it, it, satisfying there weren't any storyline moments to me that were real groaners or anything like that uh yeah that third act uh just buckle up enjoy it consider that the fucking you know just the wild ride at the end of the game um but no, I, I can't recommend this enough. I do have to say your enjoyment of this just depends on um, how much you like the, the the whole cyberpunk aesthetic and that kind of world and, and you know, the kind of stories that are told there. Um, if you're not into that, uh, I don't know, this might change your mind, but uh, uh, you're going to have a hard time getting into it. And if you want something fast paced, it's not going to work for you either. Uh, but if you just if you want to just sit back um, and, and, you know, let yourself get taken away for a bit, this game will do it. Um, definitely. We're playing this thing here at the end of the year. Uh, this is probably one of the best ones we played all year. It, it, say what you want about Kojima, but he can make some damn compelling worlds. Like, oh, just, yeah. The settings that he can make, you know, regardless of what you think about his gameplay and his craziness and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, it, it, everything about this world was something that I was it, it, interested. I wanted to see every scene that came up mm-hmm. because it was just, he does such a great job of creating these settings and characters and worlds that it's always interested me uh, even, even when he does go off the deep end. So I think this is one of his more tame games, honestly. So yeah, uh, until oh, you get yeah. maybe to act three, but uh, yes, it is a, a very much just a really slow detective story, murder mystery kind of thing. And uh it's yeah, it is probably my my favorite Sega CD game, and and probably one of my favorite adventure games of all time. Maybe probably right behind Grim Fandango. I would say if you are looking for uh, another cyberpunky kind of game on your Sega CD that had a little more action, but I think is another really solid game. And you mentioned it, Billy. Rise of the Dragon uh, yeah. is a PC port, yeah. but it was still an excellent game. And I can see how if you played them at the same time, you kind of blend it together because they have a lot mm-hmm. of similarities uh, in theme and style. They're definitely that same cyberpunk. Um, uh, same cyberpunk look that, that it's all based mm-hmm. on uh, on Blade Runner, but that one has a, a, some actual action sections, side scrolling action sections, and uh, and maybe that's one we'll do another time because I, I did enjoy that a lot. And it's not a straight adventure game. We've done a fair amount of point and click adventure games this year somehow on this retro gaming podcast, and hopefully we can <laughs> we can try to do a few more of them before we get burned out on those next year. So that's our thoughts on Snatcher, this year's sort of Christmas game. And our last episode, uh, you're going to hear from us in 2020. We will definitely be back in early January with some new games. We're not sure what we're going to do yet, but I'm sure we'll have time to to play a few things and, and be ready for that. Uh, if you're sitting there and you're just 
you're, you have questions about this game or questions about our holidays or just questions about any video game and you wanted to get them to us, even though we're not going to be recording again until January, you can always go to Retrovania.net. And at the very bottom, after all of our social media links and all our uh, everything else Retrovania, there's a question form. And that question form is maybe the best one on the Internet. You can always send us a question. Mm. It goes right to us. And we will answer it on the show like we're going to do right now. Yeah, and real quick before we get started, I'd just like to thank everybody that wrote in this year. Uh, for better or worse, it seemed like uh, this was the year that interacting with you guys uh, kind of came into its own. Uh, but we do really appreciate everyone that mm-hmm. takes the time to to go to that website and scroll down to the best goddamn contact yeah. form on the yeah. Internet and, and send us a question to read like we're going to do now. And actually, these two questions are the two that we did not read on the previous podcast because Billy is now here with us. So... This, one this, comes must from, be some, this must be something special, then. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, this one is from <laughs> Keith S., and he's got a recommendation to Billy. All right, hey, guys, wanted to say Billy got both my girlfriend and I into hours upon hours of Stardew Valley. In oh, hey, now. Yeah. Yes. In that vein, have you tried Graveyard Keeper? It's much like Stardew, but with a much creepier vibe and, more involved, and a more involved crafting system. I think you might enjoy it. Have a good one. Um, Graveyard Keeper, I have not played yet, but um, Graveyard Keeper is very much on my uh, on my radar. I think it's actually, I think I threw it on my wish list up on the Switch. Um, next time that thing hits a sale, I'm going to snatch it on up. Because um, I am getting to the point to where I am uh, coming to a conclusion on, on CrossCode and, you know, that that occupied a lot of time, uh, but yeah, Graveyard Keeper. From what I was looking at, um, it definitely does give off that impression. Uh, not just the way it looks; it, it seems like the, the the gameplay kind of also. That is definitely one um, I'm interested in, and, and I do thank you guys for for bringing it bringing it back up. So now it's fresh in my mind. Um, I'm actually probably gonna probably gonna pull that up. And maybe I'll just treat myself for Christmas. Who knows? I, I did play. Um, speaking of a, a Stardew-style game, but not quite, there's one called Brass Town Wrestling, um, which I, I can best say is Stardew Valley mixed with um, training to become a professional wrestler. What? Pretty uh, uh, Brass Town Wrestling. Um, I only know, I only have it over on Steam. I think it's PC only. Uh, it's it's not maybe the the most polished game, but I feel um, just because of what the the theme is, uh, I've got to I've got to play through it. Got to. Is is this the game that you developed? Like is this? <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. But if I would develop a game, uh, this would probably be it. Although if I did develop it, it would it would probably be a lot poorer. Uh, have you played more Stardew Valley this year than Animal Crossing? Or is that, or have you fallen off the Stardew Valley train at this point? Uh, you know what I'm going to do right now? Um, <laughs> I am, I'm pulling up the old Switch right now. <laughs> and and I'll let you know, actually. I, you know, Stardew Valley uh, is, that's my, that's my fucking happy place there. When that fucking theme kicks in, I I am ready to go. Uh, I certainly just, am. It's just crying, crying in the bathtub. Just, just crying in the tub. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> well, usually the crying is first, and then I, I, you know, once the Stardew comes on, 
The, the crying comes to an end. No, I am going to say, God damn, I played both those games a ton. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I did manage to uh, to play, play Stardew Valley just a little bit more. Um, yes, according to playtime, I have. And I'm not going to tell you how much time I spent on either of those because it'll make me think... Uh, <laughs> too hard about how I could have been making something of myself during those hundreds of hours. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Stardew Valley still, uh, I, I think probably the game I have spent the most time on. Uh, maybe ever. Uh, besides, I don't know. Maybe besides Team Fortress 2. I, I got whew, really down and dirty on that one for a couple of years. Thank you, Keith, for writing in. Uh, we will check out uh, Graveyard Keeper and, and see we what will. it's like. I do I do like me some Stardew Valley. I haven't played it as much as Billy, but uh, the idea of a, um, a more Halloween-y, I guess, mm -hmm. Stardew Valley is intriguing to me. Anyway, next up is Kay, a.k.a. Mason. Oh, boy. And, yeah, you know what's coming. That's that it's, fella that's got the Pac-Mans. Yes, and we're not going to talk about his, uh, his band this time. Um, <laughs> We can let Seaman uh, Grandpa uh, rest in peace. But mm -hmm. he's, he's wanting to talk about, or he's wanting to say, let's get back to business. I've been hearing a lot of gaming-related discussion lately, and that's unacceptable. Mm. It's time to veer the conversation back to where it belongs. While you're mostly correct about how you should skip on Taco Bell when it comes to breakfast, there is one diamond in the rough that you're missing out on. Taco Bell does many, many things wrong, but their steak is the one thing they do right. Get you a steak breakfast burrito. Steak, eggs, cheese, and potatoes. Uh, Make sure you get shredded cheese, not the melted plastic they refer to as nacho cheese sauce. Mm, and don't mm. forget the best part. There are zero people in line for Taco Bell breakfast. He's right. <laughs> that it'll is you, correct. It'll take you 15 minutes to get your chicken minis at Chick-fil-A, but there's no competition for, for Taco Bell's sole breakfast gym. In advance, uh, you're welcome. I, you know, that's a smart move, uh, the cheese switch there, um, because yes, I am not a fan of that supposed nacho cheese. I can see switching it out, uh, you know, for the cheese that's like maybe on the chicken quesadilla um, would be smart. Uh, yeah, their steak um, is it, usually it's usually right on time. Uh, my issue, though, um, my experience, and it was brief. My brief experience with Taco Bell breakfast, um, they had probably the driest eggs that I have, have ever bit down on. And I, I went, you know, and I had public school breakfast. You know, I was there early and I had breakfast sometimes. So I have tangled with some dry ass powdered eggs in my lifetime. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I might try it. I, I might do it. I might get a little crazy. Uh, it's it's like he said. It's not like I'm gonna have to wait in line or anything like that. Um, th they'll probably be they'll probably be surprised to hear someone's there that early in the morning. Um, if, if if I try it out, I will be sure uh, to report back. Now, did they just get rid of the potatoes for the after breakfast thing, or is that? Or I thought they were just gone. Like you couldn't get Taco Bell potatoes anymore. I, I don't know, um, because I am not too concerned <laughs> about Taco Bell potatoes. So, I, uh, you know, I wasn't too upset to hear they were gone. They weren't on any of my uh, any of my standbys. Uh, I don't know. I, I wonder maybe they just transitioned them to 
to breakfast only. I, I guess that would make sense. I mean, the spicy potato taco was kind of, I always kind of got that just randomly. I love that, that little taco. Mm. Uh, but once they got rid of that, and now that they're getting rid, getting rid of the um, Mexican pizza, just like, God damn. Just That's stab, a staple. Stabbing yeah. me in the heart over here. Yeah. I did go to a place called Taco John's. I don't know if either of you have heard of this. No. No. So Taco John's is kind of basically a low-rent Taco Bell. And I didn't find this out until I went there for breakfast one morning. <laughs> oh, and god damn. Taco John's breakfast. Yes. Uh, they, you know, their menu kind of resembles Taco Bell in a lot of ways. They have, But they have these things called Olay potatoes, uh, which are essentially uh, potato rounds. Mm-hmm. that they've seasoned and they give you a vat of nacho cheese sauce to dip them yeah. in. So I thought, you know, that you can't go wrong with that. And plus you get a breakfast burrito, you know, put whatever the fuck they've got in there. How can you fuck that up? You just, you can't. I mean, it, it's it's illogical to think otherwise. I got it. And apparently the person that made my burrito didn't actually understand how to fold a burrito. Mm. It was just, uh, they had made a big taco, essentially, <laughs> and decided to, to maybe try to fold the ends up. It was the most half-assed folding attempt for a burrito I've ever seen in my life. Everything just fell out instantly, and somehow even the uh, cheesy Olay potatoes just fell flat. So I would I would totally agree that Taco Bell breakfast is a step up from Taco John's, but I, you know, I, I definitely don't generally go to Taco Bell and for their breakfast selection. But I may try this steak thing. Jeremy, are you are you going to ever go back to Taco Bell for breakfast? I I have honestly not tried it. So I'm willing to now give it a shot knowing there might be a good item. Um, All right. But but at least in the last nine months, I haven't left my house in the morning. So we'll see. We'll see when I can leave again. Well, that's great because there's no one at Taco Bell. He is right about that. No one goes to Taco Bell for breakfast. Yeah. All right, thank you, Mason, for writing in and reminding us that we probably won't go back to Taco Bell for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Unless we're really desperate and uh, there's nothing else uh, on the road. All right, this next question comes in from Mark H., and he's writing in to tell us that he's forgotten how to curse. Mm. Uh, Well, we don't have that problem. (laughs) Apparently don't. Actually, what he's writing about in is the glorious patch that he received, and he says, holy forking shirt balls, retroviniacs. Mm. (laughs) Oh, there, I, there might be there might be kids listening. I, <laughs> language. This is a Christian. They get us on the naughty list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just got the gift of a lifetime thanks to my Patreon contri- contribution. I can't express how proud I am to be the owner of a limited edition Seaman Grandpa patch. Yeah. The retelling of the Seaman Grandpa story was not only a highlight for the podcast, but a highlight for life on the planet Earth <laughs> in 2020. I just hope you don't all spend all of the Patreon funds on Jeremy Gregory's therapy bills after he had to relive the moments. I, you know, I, I, I just repress all of that stuff until until it comes out on here and I call some mm-hmm. random video game character <laughs> Seaman Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that patch was pretty fucking great, Jeremy. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah. a funny idea, and I'm glad people have enjoyed it. I did get at least one complaint about the patch. Um, we did not spend all the Patreon money on a Seaman Grandpa patch. It was just a nice bonus for everybody uh, for thanking you uh, and any of our patrons. Uh, we're, we're very happy that anyone has thought it's worth being our patron and supporting this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're loving to, to do the bonus shows. So I thought it would be a fun idea to do that patch. And, and I'd love to do one every year about whatever we think the funniest or best moment of the year would be. But I think after this year, mm-hmm. we'll probably uh, 
have some kind of voting process <laughs> as opposed to just me making a batch. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think it's hilarious and looks good on any work uniform. Uh, I, you know, wear it on into the office. Impress your boss. Get that raise that you've had coming to you. It creates conversation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Next Zoom meeting, just put up, you know, put put the semen grandpa patch up there so the camera can, that's all it sees. <laughs> I guarantee you it will create conversation. And now that you know that the whole backstory of it, you can relive the semen grandpa story and then tell it to everyone else that you know mm -hmm. on your Zoom call. And, and hey, you know what? And, I've got a few of these left because I might have bought way too many. So if you really want a semen grandpa <laughs> patch, if you join our Patreon, I'll, I'll mail you one. Mm. Totally worth it. I, I think that's a great little patch. I'm, I apologize for the people that maybe think that it was it was uncouth. It was uh, it was not in our best interest to spend uh, a few bucks on some some semen grandpa patches. <laughs> if if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, I think you should know if you give us money, we will probably spend it on on things that we we find fun or or just you know it's it's harmless. You know, it's not like we spent a ton of money on this thing. It's just a bonus little thing that we thought would be fun for everyone. So yeah. we apologize if this offended anyone. Uh, you know, it's it's just this in joke that, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, Sorry. We, about we could all be dead at a moment's notice anyway. Might as well spend it. Can't take it with you. It's what my grandfather always said about money. And what, what a great way for future generations to find your corpse, but with a semen <laughs> grandpa patch sitting on top of it. <laughs> Clutched in your, your cold, dead skeleton hand, they open it up like a thousand years later. And they see this patch. And they're just like, what? what is this mystery? What have we uncovered? And then it's in the history books. So, yeah. you know. I also was informed that uh, the company that made them would only refer to them as Semen Grandpa Patches. They would not call them, would not call them Semen Grandpa Patches. So we made the manufacturer uncomfortable as well. So we, we win. Oh, it's, it's okay. So yes, thank you so much, uh, Mark for writing in. We're glad you like your patch and we will probably continue to do dumber things in the future with, with uh, patron money, but we will uh, maybe ask in the future if that's something that people would be interested in. But again, this was meant to just kind of be a nice little surprise for people. Anyway, our last question comes in from your uncle that works at Nintendo. So, mm. uh oh, sure, sure, we all know that guy. Yeah. And he says he's writing in about, I've forgotten more games than you know. <laughs> <laughs> to my favorite nephews, first and foremost, I want to thank you for transcribing the past 129 episodes for me to read. Because as you know, I prefer to read all the audio <laughs> podcasts that I'm subscribed to. <laughs> Whoever I this person is listens, I'll give him that. <laughs> All that said, I wanted to ask, have any of you ever get forgotten a game that you played in the past, left only with a few details to draw on? For example, I once couldn't remember a game that I played that involved a light gun and ghosts being projected onto an actual dollhouse. It took me years to figure out the game was Golly Ghosts. Is, is that a real game? Okay. So have you forgotten any games? Maybe the Retrovaniacs hive mind can help. Please send Cash, your uncle who works at Nintendo. P.S. I want to be buried with my semen grandpa patch. <laughs> Don't let anyone, especially my ex-wife, tell you otherwise. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, there, there is a lot. Um, 
but no, I, I am pretty bad for doing that. Thankfully, I, I can't say I've had a game that I've forgotten and it's lingered for, for, for too awful long. I, I've always always been lucky enough that, you know, I, I, I can hop online and, and know just enough details to to get it pulled back up. Um, there are actually a couple. Act, holy fuck. There's one that just hit. This is fresh. This is, this is a... This was on a demo disc, and that's the worst. You know, you get PC, you know, game magazines, and they would have a little a fucking demo disc in there with them. Um, oh, that'd be the worst, because there's like a thousand fucking shareware titles yes. on that shit. Um, and all I remember was it was a, there was a game you controlled. Um, I, it's like a cyborg or, you know, just a, a robot. I, I don't know the specifics. I think it was first person. Um, and the only other thing I know is Skybox was involved somehow. I don't think that was in the title. I, I know they make, uh, you know, trading cards. I don't know if they, this was their foray into video games. Uh, I know very little besides there was some kind of Skybox involvement either in the title or the making of, and there was a robot. Uh, and I fucking loved that game. I played the demo over and over. Same demo disc that had a had Magic Carpet on it, uh, which was another game I forgot very briefly. Thankfully, when you put in Magic Carpet video game, um, first result is the Magic Carpet video game. So I lucked out on that one. Uh, I'm sure there's a ton. If I start thinking, uh, and, and that just hit me as I was before I proclaimed, you know, that I'm fucking smartest person alive and never fucking forgets anything, only to now admit that I have probably forgotten a ton of goddamn games from those demo discs. Um, but that one, I, Skybox, maybe it was Skyborg. I don't know. S Sky something. I think it was Skybox. Oh, this is going to be, a, this is going to turn into a mental breakdown once we start re stop recording. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, I normally remember games that I've played. Uh, I won't remember the details. Like, on uh, on Twitch, I was playing through Maniac Mansion on Nintendo, and I know I've beaten it 100 times, and I could not get far at all. I, I couldn't remember mm -hmm. the solutions. And I was like, I know at some point I do this, this, and this, but how do I get to that point? And I'd end up looking up some things online and being like, oh, yeah, how did I ever figure this out as a kid? But as far as the games I've played, I don't think generally, uh, it's thanks to the Internet that I end up, you know, not remembering at least that I have played it. Uh, there was a game that I actually, thanks to the internet, I found the name of. Uh, I never had a, well, not, I never had. I didn't have a Commodore 64. Um, as a kid, I had an Amiga. We didn't have another computer until way later. And at, at some point, I had a friend who had a Commodore 64, and we'd go to his house and just hang out. And he had this game where you basically just, like, it was almost like uh, like uh, the Trials game now, but it was much simpler. And it was, you were, mm -hmm. you were just you know, riding on a motorcycle and trying to hit these jumps at certain angles, but it was much, much, much cruder than, uh, than trials. And I could never, I was like, what was the name of that game? And I could never remember it. And, you know, I, I eventually looked up, it's called Kickstart, K-I-K-S-T-A-R-T. And mm. apparently it was very popular if you had a Commodore 64, but I, you know, I didn't have one. So I could never remember the name of that game, trying to see if it came up for anything else. And the answer was not really. Uh, other than that, the, the only other game, and I can't remember the name of this thing, and uh, I still am friends with this guy, this guy, Kevin, and I would play this PC puzzle game that was based on like the ideas that you're like at a at a carnival 
or a circus, and it had a bunch of different like word games and and a few uh, arcadey kind of games, but most of it was all logic games. And we, I mean, we spent days and days and days playing this game, and I cannot remember the name of it, and I have no idea what it's called. And I've done some searches on it, and I can't find it. That's um, that's fucking at the carnival. It, that, if that's what it's called, I'm gonna be mad because I. I think it's I think it's at the car. Uh, it it's it's. I want to say it's at the carnival because I remember a puzzle. Yeah, there were like a bunch of different types of puzzle games, and it was damn carnival themed. I, I played at the carnival. Well, I'm gonna um, look it up while we're answering. Well, Jeremy, I'm breaking question. breaking fucking news right now. Skyborg, um, into the vortex, uh, released by the trading card company Skybox. Wow. <laughs> oh. Woo. That's a weight. That's 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 a weight off the old. A Christmas fucking miracle, right here. Um, oh boy! And of oh, course, there's know, no. Uh, hmm? I found it. It is called at the carnival, but the reason I didn't remember at is because the, car- the yes the it was supposed to be a series called Puzzle Gallery, and so the box that we had mm. had Puzzle Gallery at the top in giant letters, but in the carnival's like uh, on a a roller coaster. It looks like here. Yes, this is it. I'm very excited. Okay, I know at the carnival. That's a strong game. Um, oh, I tell you, we have, uh, we've worked some shit out here tonight. I, I think the only one that, that I really couldn't remember, like most of mine, I've kind of figured out through the, through the years. Yeah. Uh, they were very like, uh, you know, late mid eighties, late eighties arcade games that I played as a kid in the arcades. And I just, I could not, I, I didn't remember the names of them over the years. I eventually just found them and, and had a breakdown like you guys just did. I think the one that lasted the longest somehow was um, it was one of the very first NES games that I, I rented and loved it, but I was really young back in the day, and I, I just could not remember the, the game over the years. It was fairly obscure. Apparently, no one really played it. So mm-hmm. I would say it's, it's this it's like this game where you're running around as this big-headed Chinese guy, and you kick ghosts, and you, know, you, you kill lions and stuff. And everyone was just like what like adventure island next no it's not adventure island you, you play as this chinese guy and you, you know you're doing karate and stuff and over the years like it took me probably a good 10 or more years before i happened to come upon a, an nes rom set and it it ended up being jackie chan oh yes, uh, yes. <laughs> action kung fu and i was like this is it you know it's one of those moments where you see it and it's like oh my god i can't i can't believe it like this is it why didn't nobody know this but uh, yeah, there was. I think the only other thing that I have never really figured out was actually a board game that was based on video games, and this had to be back around in the in the late '80s when when the big board game boom was happening, like stuff like Fireball Island and mm-hmm. like the big you know set piece video games. This one was uh, a board game, but it came with a handheld game system, essentially like a Game Boy. But it was super, super basic. The screen was basically just three or uh, three rows of three lights, and you put in these different cards, like uh, you know, that would you played these various super simple games for points or whatever, and you'd land on these these challenge squares, and it would be like, okay, play so and so game and score this many points. If you if you do this, then you can roll again or something like that. Mm. I cannot for the life of me find it anywhere. I don't know what I have never found any information on it whatsoever. And if anyone knows what the hell I'm talking about, please write in and and let me know because I would love to know what the hell that game is. It is the last kind of Holy Grail game that, that 
I mean, as far as like just not even a video game, but just something I can't remember as a kid that I've never been able to figure out what the hell that was actually called. So yeah, that I think that's probably uh, the thing that I just I can't remember. But I would like to say this Golly Ghost game. <laughs> I don't know if either of you have seen this. Uh, one of the very first pictures that comes up is like a badly drawn furry playing it, uh, which does not instill confidence. But this game looks fucking crazy. It's like this old arcade game. It's huge, and I mean, like it's a light gun game. You sit down. And it looks like they're, like he said, there's like dollhouses, like actual real dollhouses that are like back in the back of the arcade cabinet. And it looks like I'm guessing like ghosts are projected onto a screen, uh, like a, a glass screen. So it mm. looks like the ghosts are kind of floating around these uh, these little dollhouse play sets and you shoot them with a the gun. This is fucking crazy. I've never seen this arcade cabinet before. Um, that That's really awesome. I... No wonder nobody knew what the hell that one was because I've never <laughs> even seen this one. Uh, but yes, thank you. Writing in, uh, my uncle that works at Nintendo. It's uh, you're you're my favorite uncle. You tell me all those those hot Nintendo releases that and and news that never actually happens. So <laughs> again, thanks everybody for writing in for 2020. We hope 2021 is a little bit better year, but uh, I can guarantee you. Your year will, will definitely be better if you go to Retrovania.net. Scroll all the way down to the absolute best contact form on the Internet. Fill that thing out, and through the magic of the Internet, it will come to us, considering that we actually have Internet still in 2021. So that's going to do it for me. And that's going to do it for us for 2020. Again, thank you to all of our patrons for continuing to support us. And thank you, if you're not a patron, just for listening. We have a lot of downloads. I'm very excited that people continue to come back. And, uh, and we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new show. Have a great holiday and happy new year.